Welcome to the How to Survive a Horror Movie Podcast, where we learn how to survive horror movies and maybe how to survive life. I'm your host, Ryan Stacy, and we're into a very mediocre week this week. Very, very bland, because we're taking a look at 1990s Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, the one nobody has seen. And everybody forgot about with good reason. I'm joined by my very good friend and horror enthusiast and expert, Jordan Ryan. Hi there. Jordan, how you doing? Not so bad. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. So we watched Texas Chainsaw 3. Sure did. Which you'd never seen before. I had not. And I'd only, I've only seen it once before tonight. Very quickly, what did you think of the movie? It's a movie. It, uh, it exists. It certainly exists. Th- that's about it, honestly. This is... By a wide margin, the worst Texas Chainsaw I've seen. And not because it's bad, because it just, it doesn't do anything. It's very bland. There's very forgettable. There's not much here. Uh, Interests, the MPA cut out all the gore. So, And they did not get creative in replacing that gore or getting around it. It was very lazily edited. Very, very awful editing. So ultimately, one of the more forgettable movies we've ever covered on here. Without a doubt. And... I don't think many people have seen this one. Nobody ever talks about this one, and I think that's fair. <laughs> I wouldn't talk about it. I'm After this podcast, I will probably never talk about it again. Fair enough. So what we do on this podcast is we are trying to create a master list of rules to survive any and all horror movies. And you can see our current list on our Twitter account, at HowToHorror. That's how the number two horror, where you can see the updated list of rules. And we're going to go through the plot of this movie, beat by beat, decision by decision, and see if we need to add any new rules to our list. So we're going to be spoiling the entire plot of this movie. But that's fine. You don't need to see it. Just stay here and listen. And if you do see it, this movie is so forgettable that even our summary will probably be forgotten. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a forgettable movie. You don't need to see it. Just stay here and listen to us. We'll describe it for you and we'll try and be more entertaining than the movie is. Which I I don't think will be too hard. No, not really. So yeah, we'll go through the plot of the movie. At the end, we'll give out awards for the character who did the best job at following the rules and the character who did the worst job. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Jordan, anything else you want to add before we get started here? Uh, I guess just kind of a fun fact, my birthday is what some horror fans might know as Texas Chainsaw Day, uh, August 18th, and it's 20 years later to the date, 1973 to 1993, so not really anything that matters, just kind of a fun fact that I found out this year. Oh, that's, that's nice. I love those horror connections, it's always fun. But okay, let's get into Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre So the movie begins with a title card kind of explaining the events of the first movie, yada yada, whatever. So we're introduced very quickly to a woman named Gina, and we never actually learn her name. I only know this because it's in the credits. I was going to ask how you know what her name is, actually. It's it's on the Wikipedia page. She's credited as Gina. We know nothing about Gina because she immediately dies by getting hit in the head with a sledgehammer. And then we see Leatherface cutting off her face and making a new mask. I have nothing to say about Gina because we don't know anything about Gina. Um, yeah, we don't, we don't even see her get taken. She is already in Leatherface's captivity. No way of knowing what rules she might have broken. Impossible to know. Uh, what we do know is her, a woman is standing outside watching all this transpire, and we later learn they're sisters, but her name is Sarah. And Sarah, the rule number one of surviving a horror movie is knowing that you are in one. It's very clear from the, the get-go that Sarah knows she's in a horror movie and has been for a while. Yeah, that's interesting. It's... It's cool to see a character 
know their situation and clearly have been knowing their situation, not just realizing it the first time we see them. Yeah, there's a whole other Texas Chainsaw Master movie that basically happened, and Sarah's the sole survivor of this. And she, she's going to be a character in this movie, barely. Uh, well, she'll show up again. There's not much to her. She's kind of crazy. But, you know, she's in the middle of one, so she already knows. Unfortunately, she does violate a rule immediately after. Rule number 26, don't give away your position by stepping on a twig. Classic mistake, not a whole you can do. Leatherface does hear this and chases her. And that's our opening sequence. So, cut to sometime later during the day. We have two people, Ryan and Michelle, driving down the road. They're driving from California to Florida. They're a dating couple. They're having some issues. They're on the verge of a breakup. Michelle's about to go on a trip on her own. Once they get to Florida, she's going to fly off to New York or something on her own. They never explain it, and they never mention it again. It's not that important. The only things that matter are Michelle's kind of pacifist, very anti-violence, and Ryan is pre-med, but that doesn't even matter either. Ryan just sucks. Ryan's a douche. Yeah, and, you know, normally I like to support my fellow Ryans, but I can't. I mean, same. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you get it, but, yeah, this guy, he's just douchey. He's a douche. He tries to act like the tough guy, but he doesn't have the physicality to actually act on it. But that doesn't change his attitude from just being such a piece of shit. Neither of them are very likable. No. And Michelle's our main protagonist, and it's like, oh, that's, that's great. There's a report about a mass grave that was found in, nearby in Texas, and so that's what they're listening to on the radio, so that's fun. So that night, they pull up, they arrive at the crime scene where the mass grave was found. And we get a very quick cameo by Caroline Williams, who played Stretch, the protagonist of Texas Chainsaw 2. She's a reporter on the scene. But Ryan and Michelle drive by, and it's revealed that like 40 or 50 bodies have been found. It's really gnarly. Honestly, some of the best effects in the movie. I know yeah. we're not a review podcast, but I just got to call it out because there's really no other effects in this movie. Yeah. Um, just wonderful decomposing gore, I guess you could call it. I would have rather watched a movie about R2 uh, forensic people finding more bodies i think that would have been a better movie but they talk to a deputy and he kind of gives them a, a decent line he's like don't stop for nothing or nobody rule number one ryan and michelle you're in a horror movie they are very clearly in a horror movie right now they're driving past a crime scene and a sheriff's deputy isn't giving them any sort of info just is telling them to move on and don't, don't look back basically don't stop exactly like, keep moving. Like, that's terrifying. It is. If I'm in that situation, I am flooring it the whole way. We go to, you and I, for our jobs, end up going to crime scenes a lot. Mm -hmm. Never once have I been told, A, that's what's happening is none of my business, and B, to move on and don't stop. I've been told to get back plenty of times. Yep. So this is definitely out of the ordinary, should raise hundreds of red flags. Yeah, if any cop told me this at a crime scene, I'd be like, yeah. I'd be I'd be calling the producer and telling him I'm coming back. Yeah, I'm getting out of here. Uh, yeah, for context, we work for a new studio, and we go out to stuff like this all the time. Yeah. And not, not, nothing not quite like this. Not but. massacres, but I've definitely gone to murder scenes and stuff like that before. Ex exactly, same. And yeah, I, you know, sometimes the suspect hasn't been found yet, and they're like looking for him. I'm like, oh, that's creepy. So I've definitely been in a horror movie situation exactly like this. Oh, for sure. I'm always very, very cautious, and, and this the amount of seriousness the cop has is just horrifying. And might be the most effective, like, it's not really a scare, but it's like a feeling of, to install some dread. I exactly. Think I think it's the most effective one in the film. Without a doubt. And the sad thing is, we're five minutes in, and <laughs> we've peaked already. <laughs> but we cut to the next day, and they've been driving all night long. So, in an interesting kind of twist that I personally don't think has happened on the podcast yet... They're out of a horror movie now. Yeah, I think so. Let's call it maybe six hours minimum they've been driving. Yeah. You're six hours away from the horror movie. That's 
any reasonable person would assume they're they're safe. Exactly. So they were in a horror movie. They either drove through the night, stopped somewhere to sleep, and started driving again. Point is, they are at the minimum, like you said, six hours away. They're safe again. Yep. They they were background extras in a horror movie, or so they thought. And I think that's a safe assumption, and I won't hold anything else against them on that point for now. They end up hitting an armadillo. Michelle's driving, and it's not really an important scene story-wise. But this scene is so fucking pointless. But it's character development-wise, and here's why. Because Michelle, at this point, she's going to go... She's, she hit it, so she's going to kill it, and she doesn't have the stomach to do it, to, to beat it to death with a rock and put it out of its misery. So Ryan does it. And this is gonna this is set up for Michelle. She's not willing to kill anything now, but she will be later, kind of. I guess, but that payoff just so stupid. Uh, very on the nose and not subtle. Exactly. I mean, it's something. Thing is, for this to be foreshadowing for character development, you need to have an actual payoff and arc to get there. This scene could have been cut out. Her, the payoff would have made sense still. Yeah. This isn't really an arc. It's a... It's a Here's point A and here's point B. Exactly. And we just kind of teleport to there. There's no there's no arc. Which is why I think this scene is pointless. Yeah. I mean, I get what they were going for. And it's better than not having anything, I guess, maybe. I don't know. You know, there's some level of thought put into it. But it's, it's not great. It showed there was a, an attempt. Yeah, they were trying to make a movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's something. Uh, so we cut to Last Chance Gas Station, which is just the sketchiest looking place in the world. But it's the only gas station foreseeably for miles because you know it's the last chance and whenever i see gas stations that are called that i check my tank and if it's below three quarters i stop and fill up same uh one time uh i was driving through utah with my dad and we get to this 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 gas station that's coming up a mile mile ahead and it says last chance and i'm like i'm gonna check my phone real quick i'm like oh there's another gas station for 120 miles and i'm like dad pull over he's like why we got half a tank dad there's the gas station for a really long time let's just be safe I don't feel like walking 120 miles. Ironically enough, you did this to stay safe, but them stopping at this last chance was not safe. Yeah, but there's nothing you can do about that. You gotta get gas. That is true. You know, it sucks, but before they get there, though, we see a guy named Tex, who's a cowboy type played by none other than Vigo Mortensen, Aragorn. I looked it up during the movie. This is his sixth major role. It was not. It wasn't his first. He's been an established actor in TV and some movies, but this is one of his first roles. Yeah, very early. I love it. It's it's very fun seeing him in this. And, but he's just uh, looks like a cowboy hitchhiker, and the person running the gas station is a guy named Alfredo, who's played by Tom Everett, who you'll you've seen in stuff before. Uh, he's in, notably in Air Force One as a real kind of straight laced guy, uh, political official who gets who gets killed. So it was very weird seeing him play such a wild character in this. It's kind of funny. Alfredo, best character in the movie? Second best character Second in the movie. Best. One of the only characters that's fun to watch. Without a doubt. Yeah, uh, He is one of two characters that are fun to watch. He's uh, got the best line of the movie. He does, which we'll get to. Yeah. But uh, no, Alfredo's a good character. He's not a good person, but he's a good no, character. No. Very reminiscent of like a Chop Top. Yeah, kind of. Um, but they it, they almost split Chop Top into two, two characters for this movie. Alfredo yeah. being one of them. Alfredo is like Chop Top's mentality. Yep. They, they and they, like the kind of the physicality goes to Tinker. Yeah. We'll get to him later. Man, they had a lot of potential with this cast and they and these characters. Just, they just squandered they it. Squandered it. But Alfredo probably gets the best end of all the antagonists. He's yeah. Probably, he's probably the best of the antagonists. So Ryan goes off to use the bathroom after he and Michelle arrive at the gas station, and Alfredo is weird fucking weird he scares michelle with a little toy thing which funny enough 
I think it it emits the same laugh as the puppet from Saw. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the same laugh. It's very similar if it's not exactly the same, but yeah, he he lets this off right next to Michelle in the car, and then he snaps a picture with a Polaroid and recreates the scene from Texas Chainsaw 1 where he tries to get her to buy the picture. It's a good picture. Because apparently you can't make these movies without just reminding people how good the first one was. That is 100% true. Uh, let's do the same thing over and over again. And then he starts filling up her gas tank, but is such a creep about it. Like, he sucks. Yeah. This guy, this guy sucks. Not quite in a horror movie situation yet. Certainly be on your guard, but yeah. there's no reason to suspect he's anything but just a harmless weirdo. Bit of yeah. a pervert. Yeah, yeah. definitely keep your guard up a little bit, but we're not in the horror movie yet. Maybe roll up the window. Roll up the window, that's fair. Roll him up. So Tex comes outside, and he's like, hey, is he bothering you? And then he and Michelle kind of flirt with each other a little bit. Yeah, interestingly enough, she calls Ryan her friend. Yeah. So she's already broken up with him in her mind. Yeah, which is fair. Ryan sucks. Ryan does suck. You know, Viggo Mortensen, yeah, that's fair. I'd start flirting with him, too. (laughs) But anyway, Ryan returns, and Tex, he's trying to get a ride. He's hitchhiking. And Ryan's like, yeah, nope, nope. And Michelle's like, yeah, we can talk about it. <laughs> it is. I mentioned before that Ryan tries to be the tough guy. He tries to, you know, talk down to people. And it's just so funny watching him try to be tough to Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, that'd be like me trying to be tough to Viggo Mortensen. It's just going to be embarrassing. Yeah. Michelle ends up going to the bathroom. Well, Tex talks to Ryan and is like, hey, there's a shortcut to get to Houston. And Ryan's like, well... This highway is literally a straight shot. Tex is like, no, here, on the map. Ryan's like, that's not a shortcut. And Tex kind of admits, like, yeah, I'm trying to get to this town. I want to go home. I need to ride, but there's a town down this way. And Ryan's like, nope, not happening. I mean, fair enough. Don't pick up hitchhikers. We, we have a rule about this. Rule number 13 is don't pick up hitchhikers. And as charming as Viggo Mortensen is, spoiler alert, Tex is a, like one of the killers. So Ryan is right on to not want to take this guy with. And it's interesting to see them, the characters kind of get smarter Because in the first movie, basically everything happens because they pick up a hitchhiker. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see them not do that in this one. And still end up in this situation. Oh, exactly. And what is really interesting is our protagonist, who we're supposed to like more than Ryan, wants to take Tex with. And I feel like we're supposed to be on her side. And we're like, oh, Ryan's a dick. But Ryan's right. Yeah. So that, that I find interesting. Alfredo's watching Michelle go to the bathroom. Yeah, so Michelle goes into the bathroom and there's a bunch of cutouts of, like, uh, nudie magazine pictures plastering the wall. And you hear the door open inside the Last Chance gas station, at which point Alfredo lifts up, like, a picture of a nun or something and starts looking through a peephole watching her pee. Yeah. It's another pointless scene. It's just gross, but whatever. Gross, unnecessary. But Tex goes in and catches him and... It turns out this whole thing is staged, but they staged this big fight. Uh, Michelle and Ryan, they come outside, and Alfredo comes out with a gun. Rule number one, you're in a horror movie. Yep. You have a crazy man with a gun. And Tex is like, oh, get out of here, guys. I'll I'll distract him. Very very nice of Tex, I guess. Yeah. Because we don't know he's the killer yet, so we're like, what is, what is he, what are you doing, Tex? Yeah, I, I honestly thought this was how he was going to get in with the group of protagonists when we were watching this. I thought he was going to jump in the car because there's a dude with a fucking gun. Yeah, of course I'm getting in your car. <laughs> yeah, that would make way more sense, but Tex is a killer, so... Ryan and Michelle take off down the road. Alfredo, Alfredo does shoot them, yeah, so if there, was, at them. if there was any question about being in a horror movie, it's gone when you hear your back window go out yeah, from dude. the buckshot. Yeah, 
and Ryan sees Alfredo shoot at Tex, and we think Tex gets killed here, even yep. though Vigo Mortensen was the second name in the credits, so there's no way in hell he's dead. That is true. I know he's a killer, but Tex does have a rule violation here yep. when he uh, plays the hero. It depends on how much this was staged. Right. Yeah, uh, and I you know, I guess we don't know for sure. Maybe Alfredo was just genuinely pissed off about whatever. Uh, but regardless, uh, this would... If you're watching this for the first time, it'd be Rule 30, don't be a good Samaritan. Exactly. But I, I, I would have to guess. I guess we don't know for sure, but this had to be staged. Maybe. Possibly. I mean, the, the family is notorious for their borderline lethal squabbles. Yeah. This might not have been staged. You know, maybe Alfredo wanted to kill them right there, and Tex is like, no, we can't do that. That's very possible. Um, so inadvertently being a good Samaritan. Right. Like, we need to kill them down the road off the beaten path. Yeah. So it's smart, but ballsy. I know Tex. I keep getting hung up on the small details. It's because it's the most interesting thing about the movie. It's true. It's true, because the, the, the big picture is not that interesting. Ryan wants to go take Tex's shortcut to get to the nearest town. So he has Michelle pull off down the road that Tex suggested. You know, smart move. At the position they're at right now, they think there's a town there. It sounds like it's supposed to be a shortcut, so that maybe isn't common knowledge. Yeah. So smart move to not just go down the highway where someone could theoretically follow you. Yeah. It's tough, and especially because they did a pretty good job at picking that Tex was not not a killer or anything. So I don't hate this move. No. Same. Tough call, but, you know, I think there's enough justification for it, and it just turns out to be the wrong call, and not much they could have done about it. So we see Alfredo sending somebody in a truck after them, and I guess I don't know who this is. This could be Leatherface or maybe Tinker? I think it is meant to be Leatherface and Tinker together. Could be that. Because when we see Tinker later, he has the same truck, and... How else would Leather have gotten there? They are still pretty far away from the house when everything goes down. Yeah. So we know Alfredo's not alone, and I guess we're, we're, you know, we can safely assume it's Leatherface, but I think Tanker is with him. I also need to call out, it's a hilarious scene. The truck comes out of a garage in the Last Chance gas station, and Alfredo is just firing his gun into the air, spinning in circles, screaming about how it's Armageddon. It's it hilarious. Yeah, Alfredo's great. Really great performance by Tom Edward. So Ryan and Michelle hear, like, an engine... And they're like, where is it coming from? And it turns out a truck was driving right behind yeah, him. Yeah, smart move on, I, I believe it was Tinker who was driving. Smart move, he kept the headlights and top lights off. Because it's this truck has both headlights and then it has the top row of lights yep. above the windshield. And he kept all of those off until he was basically right on their ass and then blinded them. Yep. Great move. It Yeah, really, really great to strike fear into them. Why am I rooting for the killers? Because they're more likable than Ryan and <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> so they end up throwing a coyote carcass on the front of the hood of their car and running them off the road, and Ryan and Michelle end up blowing it on one of their tires. So really great maneuver on Tex and uh, or on uh, Tinker and uh, Leatherface's part. You know, I guess Tex is probably in that car, too, now that we think about he it. He might be. Because how else would he get down the road later? Tex had to be in that car, too. But uh, they get run off the road. And they don't have the choice. They have to fix their car. Exactly. So it's actually a pretty intense sequence because Ryan's fixing the tire. Michelle's got the light. Does a very bad job with it. Yeah, Michelle keeps running away with the light to, because she, she hears Leatherface stalking towards. And he's he's kind of loud because he's got the squeaky leg brace and he's got his limp and he's thumping around. So Yeah, from the first movie because he got a, a saw and he was like in the yep. end of the first movie. So nice attention to detail there. Absolutely. Kind of ignores the second movie it's where he got the, blown the fuck up. But. It's the only sequence of true continuity in these movies. Yep. 
Uh, that and Grandpa's return, I guess. Yeah. Um, we'll get into that. But yeah, Michelle just keeps walking with the light, and Ryan's like, I need the light. Yeah. Need, need light. I mean, Michelle is trying to be constantly vigilant. It's dark as hell out there. She's trying to figure yeah. out where this noise is coming from. It's tough. It's tough. But to get out of the situation, your best bet is to fix the car. Absolutely. So I would keep the light on Ryan and just keep look, keep your head on a swivel. I think it's the correct move. But just as they fix the tire, Leatherface does show up and attacks them. And Michelle gets in the car. Ryan gets in the back seat, which is kind of dumb. Okay, so here's the problem with that move. And like I mentioned during the movie, I don't think it violates any rules, but it is just stupid. Leatherface... Puts the chainsaw through the remains of the window from after it got shot, just completely making it an, an opening, basically. Yep. Ryan gets in the back seat and is face to face with Leatherface, who now has a very, very clear shot to chainsaw him. Ultimately, it doesn't go anywhere, but such a dumb fucking move. Yeah, Leatherface had the opportunity to kill Ryan right here, D- didn't take it. Exactly. But yeah, Ryan should have been more in the center in the car instead of like so towards the Ryan back. should have gotten the front seat. Yeah, and anything else, basically. Yeah. Uh, but Michelle gets the car started and hits Leatherface with it. And that's great because uh, in the previous movie, Rule 39 was the new one we added. Use your car as a weapon. If that's all you have, use it. And she does, and it's great. But she doesn't finish the job. She, no. She doesn't she, follow rule number five. To double tap. She hits him with the car, and then as soon as he hits the ground, she stops. And then her transmission jams or something, and she can't get the car moving again. So she is trying to either get out or to double tap. Yep. But Rule number six, double tap. Yeah, rule number 11, get out. It's time to get out of the situation. I, I don't know which she was trying to do. It's just there's no way of knowing because no. we're not in the character's head. But if she would have just kept going and just ran him over entirely, a lot of this movie's problems would be solved. Yeah. I mean, granted, there's more killers out there, which always sucks if you have to fight a fleet of killers. Well, yeah. But she she could have run back and forth over him and taken out one of, if not the most dangerous one of the group. Definitely the most dangerous one in the group. Yeah. Missed opportunity by Michelle. Fail, failure to double tap here, but she and Ryan just get out and they drive away. So then we cut to a, a new character named Benny. Benny's the coolest. Benny's the best. He's played by Ken Foray of uh, the original Dawn of the Dead fame. Uh, Scream King, in my opinion, real icon in the in the genre. So it's great to see him here, and he is a survivalist. He he's coming back from like a a camping trip. He's got a bunch of survival gear. He's got a giant ass gun. Benny's great. I mentioned before, Alfredo is the most entertaining character in the movie, but Benny is the best character in yeah. the movie. He's you can root for him. He's very likable. He's very funny. Exactly. He's awesome. Uh, he should have been the main protagonist. Kind of was, actually. <laughs> I'd much rather have a movie where he is the hero trying to save a bunch of these losers. And it's just him getting frustrated. From his first second on screen, I cared more about him yep. than I did about either Michelle or Ryan. Yes. So Ryan, we don't really get anything from Benny here, but we're just establishing that he exists. Yep. Um, Ryan is yelling at Michelle to pull, pull over so he can fix the tire. When Leatherface attacked them, Ryan hadn't finished securing the donut onto the car. Mm-hmm. He'd gotten the lug nuts finger tight, and he was in the process of torquing them. I'd hope most people know you need to completely torque them and in the right order, or else your tire's going to fall off. So he is rightfully yelling at Michelle here to pull over because he needs to fix it, otherwise they're going to be fucked. But she doesn't want to stop, and I don't know who's right here because they both are right. You know... Ryan, I, I'm going to side with Ryan on this one because they've got enough distance for him. They need to just pull over, keep the car running, tighten it as fast as possible, and keep moving so the car doesn't completely crap on him. I, I think Michelle's breaking rule number 10 here. Don't panic. 
And uh, I think she needs to listen to Ryan. Yeah, I, I'll agree with that. As much as Ryan sucks, but he's right on this one. Tex stumbles into the middle of the road, and he looks like a corpse at this point. Yeah, I. that was such a quick little bit. I couldn't even tell it was Tex right away, honestly. Yeah, and I only know it was Tex because James A. Janice pointed it out. Shout out to the channel Dead Meat, one of my favorite YouTube channels. Uh, James A. Janice pointed this out and did like a slowdown of the scene so we could actually see that that's Tex in the road. Thank you, James. Thanks, James. Uh, you're the best. Agree. <laughs> and so Tex just wanders in the middle of the road. Bold move. Luckily for him, both Benny and Michelle were paying attention to the road, and they swerve out of Tex's way, and they both crash their cars. Michelle more so than Benny. Benny's is just kind of flipped. Michelle and Ryan's car is just completely fucked. Yep. Yeah, um, total. Completely totaled. So Benny gets out of his car, and he finds Ryan and Michelle. And Michelle's unconscious. Uh, he gets them out, and Ryan is telling Benny what happens. Like, yeah, there's a guy with a chainsaw, and Benny's like, "Okay, you're in shock." Yeah, Ryan is hysterical right now. Michelle is unconscious, so Benny is playing it very cool and being very non-offensive to these people. Smart move. Yeah, I don't hate it. Ryan sounds like a crazy person. I wouldn't believe him either. And then Michelle wakes up and kind of confirms the story without any confirm, like any prodding from Ryan. Exactly, she just does it so. Now I'm concerned. And Benny has that moment. Like, you you guys are serious. So the wheels are starting to turn, and he knows he's in some sort of situation. Yeah, I'd even say Benny knows he's in a horror movie here because he he's his survivalist instincts kick I, in. I feel like he's not quite in the horror movie yet, but the survivalist instincts are definitely putting him there. Yeah. And it, it's almost a slow progression of him getting into the horror movie. After Michelle wakes up, he goes and checks out the side of the car and sees the the chainsaw gashes. I think maybe this point he knows he's in a horror movie. Yeah, he's like, oh shit, there actually is a psycho with a chainsaw out here yep. But while he was doing this, he was treating their injuries and gave them both a painkiller, which makes them both drowsy. Yep. Which You know, that, Ryan... That is, is such a plot device. It is. Ryan is rightfully concerned... Uh, I almost wonder if this was supposed to be a red herring to make us not trust Benny. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. As Ryan and Michelle are both starting to kind of get drowsy and pass out, Benny goes to try and get to his Jeep. Yeah, and, and to find Tex, because yep. Michelle's like, Tex is out there. And he's like, okay, I'll go find your friend, and I'm going to go get some stuff for my Jeep, too. And he gets back up to the, the, the road and finds Tinker, who we see for the first time. He's another member of the, the Killers. Yep, uh, and he's, he's, he's lighting flares almost looking like he might be a first responder on scene. It's a pretty cool reveal. It is. Uh, I like the lighting for it. I like the lighting, and I like the uh, the very obvious choice. So Tinker has a, uh, a prosthetic hook for a hand. He scratches it in just about the exact same spot that Chop Top scratches with his wire hanger. Yep. So this is what I mean by Tinker got the physicality of Chop Top when they split the two characters. That is a very obvious callback and homage. And Benny's like, hey, I need your help. Helping uh, with my Jeep. And Tinker's like, yeah, I'll help you. Yeah, what do you think the flares are for? <laughs> <laughs> Benny sees that Tinker's got a chainsaw in the back of his truck. It's kind of cool. We see from the light of the flares, once Benny and Tinker both get closer to the truck, we can see it's the same truck that was following Michelle and Ryan. Yep. So we know something's up. Benny goes to get in the bed, and he sees a chainsaw. So now he knows something's up. And smart move. He says he needs to go get something from his uh, Jeep. He goes and gets his fucking gun. Yeah, it's a big-ass gun. And he does not have his clips ready to go because you're not supposed to. Smart gun safety. Unfortunately, it's going to do him wrong in this situation. It is, but I will not count it against him no. because he is practicing gun safety, Benny which is, is crucial. 
But he does manage to load some bullets into his gun, but he takes too long. And Tinker rams his truck into Benny's Jeep. Benny dives out of the way. Yep. But he's got a gun. Benny's locked and loaded. Doesn't have as much ammo as he'd like, but rule number five, lock and load. He has something, and just in time, because Leather's going to pop up and try and grab him. And we get a pretty cool fight between the two of them. Awesome fight. Ken Foray versus Leatherface. What else do you need? Uh, Leatherface attacks him with a chainsaw. Benny's defending himself with his gun. They both end up losing their weapons, which I don't really hold against them, but technically is a rule violation. Rule number seven, hold on to your weapons. I'm go- grasp it. I am going to forgive him for it because it got knocked out of his hand by a guy who is just an unhinged brute with a chainsaw. Yep. I would also drop whatever I've got. Yep, and when Benny gets out of this, he'll take it with him. But, you know, so it's it's an incidental rule violation. Exactly. I would have fared much worse, so I, I don't want to talk too much smack. Exactly, and I mean, he, he does really well hand-to-hand. Unfortunately... Leatherface is a secret weapon. He's got a bone saw. Yeah. It's actually pretty cool. And he injures Benny with it and has the opportunity to kill Benny. And then Sarah pops up out of nowhere. It's like, hey, come get me. I completely forgot about her by this point in the movie. Yeah, you were like, who is that? I I was. I completely forgot who this was and Ryan had to remind me. Yeah, because we saw her for like two shots. Exactly. But Sarah's back watching this and she's like, hey, no, leave him. Come get me. Now, I want to talk to you about this. I want your opinion on this. Because we've said, uh, rule number 30 is don't be a good Samaritan. That's what Sarah's doing here. But I almost think this is a good move. Because she sees that Benny has a gun. He's an ally in the fight uh, against Leatherface and his family. Saving him and temporarily putting yourself at risk might give you a better shot long-term to survive this thing. I don't know. What do you think? I agree. And honestly, just based on her mental state, I don't know if she's actively trying to survive. It's interesting, yeah. I don't know either. But if she is actively trying to survive, yes, fantastic move. Yeah, it's risky, but we find we're gonna find out later. She's been out here for a week. She needs, you know, a hail mary to make it out of this. Exactly. Like, never give up. Never give up. Rule seventeen is never give up. The next thing you try might work, and it does. She, uh, she not only survives this brief encounter, but she gets Benny safe. Yeah, she saves Benny, and she escapes Leatherface here. Ryan and Michelle wake up conveniently. Yeah, this is such a stupid plot device. Because they hear the chainsaw noises and they wander away. I don't know what their plan is here. They just kind of walk away. In their defense, I don't know if they're entirely lucid. They are drugged up right now. And so that's not really their fault. It's the writer's fault. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to blame the writer for this one. I'm going to blame the writer for a lot, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Benny gets up and he gets his gun back. So that's great. He's got his gun. He finds Sarah. She's hurt. And she's like, yeah, I've been out here a week. My sisters are dead. Sarah's just kind of crazy. She's kind of crazy, and Benny's treating her with the same kind of cautiousness with which he gave Ryan Mm -hmm. until he sees the hallmarks in her hand, which we don't know what they're from yet, but it's it's very clear, like, oh, my God, something is actually wrong with you. Yeah, I I didn't make that connection until you made it just now because... Okay. That is Now, that is foreshadowing done well. That's foreshadowing done well, and I, I didn't pick up on it because I'm a dumb. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. There was something clever in this movie. I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It's like one of three clever things in yeah. this movie. And Sarah reveals she, she got into this situ- situation because she and her sisters had stopped to help a guy. Maybe Tex. Rule number 30. Don't be a good Samaritan. Also, I want to see that movie over this movie. Yeah. If it gives us more Vigo, sure. So Michelle very stupidly starts shouting for Benny. Like, I know you want Benny's help, but Ryan's like, no, be, be quiet. Rule number 26, don't give away your position. I hate that I'm defending Michelle, but this is not long after they woke up still. 
she might not be completely lucid right now. Again, fair. It's it's impossible. I hate that I'm defending her, but when you wake up from drug-induced sleep, you're not all there. Yeah. So, Benny and Sarah, they decide to stop and smoke cigarettes, which I think is a bad call. Rule number 26, don't give away your position. Because, one, you got to light it up. You know, light travels a long way. Somebody could see that. Somebody could smell the smoke. I don't think this is the time to be smoking. And the only reason this scene here is for Sarah to give Benny a lighter. Yeah. This is both setup and a little bit of exposition. Yeah. Otherwise, this scene just doesn't matter. Smoke them if you got them. This is not the time to smoke them if you got them. Not at all. They hear Michelle calling and Benny decides to go find them. Sarah's like, yeah, no. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because I... I kind of thought her whole thing was she wanted more allies, but again, maybe this is just speaking to where she's not there and yeah. not being rational, so it's a little hard to judge her. So Benny gets up and tells Sarah not to move, at which point she immediately gets up. Rule number 19, don't split up, gang. Let's split up and look for clues. But I don't know what to do here, because I think Benny's right to go try and find Michelle and Ryan. You're better off in a group. Sarah doesn't want to go. I think Benny's right to leave. I don't think this is don't split up gang because I think the gang has been split up and Benny's trying to bring it back together. Yeah. Because Benny is smart. Benny is the best. Benny's the best. I love Benny. Sarah should go with Benny. But again, she's not completely rational. Uh, It's hard to judge her. So Benny, he's wandering through the woods and he's following rule number two, constant vigilance, because he sees a tripwire booby trap. Survival is training. Do you some good. Look out for tripwires in the woods. Sarah's just kind of wandering around and runs into Leatherface. And he chainsaws her to death. Yeah, Leather, like, grabs her by the neck, chokes her a little bit to get her to, like, start on consciousness, I guess, and then revs the chainsaw and just drives it through her gut, which we don't see. No, nope, we, we don't it, see. it cuts right to her face, and she's just dead. So, ultimately, for Sarah, it's unknown if anything she did gave away her position. Like, maybe the smoking the cigarette. Who knows? We don't know. But, constant vigilance is all I can say for her. Constant vigilance, for sure. And I will say it's impressive she survived that here for a week, basically on her own. You know, she says at one point she ate a raw rat to keep going. Yep. I wish we had seen more of what had happened to her. I think that would have been a more interesting I think story. a movie detailing what happened to her friends and also her week in the woods here would have been significantly better than what we got right here. Yeah. Let's, let's rewrite this, make that movie, and make Betty in that movie. We'll, we'll drop Michelle and Ryan and we'll put... Everything else in this. I mean, the continuity for none of, for any of the other movies doesn't matter. Yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. So, end of Sarah. Just some constant vigilance, I think, in the end. Yeah. She, you know, overall, she's fine. Yeah, especially considering her mental state. The others all hear her screams. And then Leatherface attacks Ryan and Michelle in a very poorly edited scene. Where we don't really see them on scene together, or on screen together at any point. It's, we don't. It's, it's, it's bad filmmaking. But Ryan... Also fails a constant vigilance and steps in a bear trap. And this is going to basically end Ryan here. I mean, he's not going to die for a while, but he... He's incapacitated from this point forward. Yep. We get a really great moment. Uh, (laughs) Rule number 35 is no one to cut ties. And Michelle knows when to cut these ties. She's already kind of done with Ryan. She's going to break up with him. She mentally has, emotionally has already. She was ready to jump into bed with Viggo Mortensen within seconds of meeting him. She's not in this relationship anymore, and she's not about to die for this guy, so she just books it. Yep, she leaves Ryan behind. Nothing she could have done anyway. No, no. Um, And I think she realized that, so she just leaves Ryan for dead. And 
maybe I'm thinking too much about it, but even if she would have gotten Ryan out of that bear trap, there's no way he's walking after that. No. Uh, a limp if he's lucky, but otherwise he'd be dead weight. Yeah, he he's done. He's done. And Michelle realized this and just leaves him behind. Fair enough. Live the fight another day, Michelle. Yep. Pick your battles. <laughs> this might be my favorite move of hers in the movie. I, I'm going to agree. So Michelle ends up finding a house, and... She immediately goes inside, which I don't like. A creepy house in the middle of nowhere, Texas, in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Nothing could possibly go wrong. You know, I I know she wants to get help, but she's not critically injured at this point. So if I'm Michelle, I'm going to pick a place to hide nearby, watch the house a bit, see if I can figure out if these are good guys or bad guys, and then make a more informed decision. But she immediately just goes right into the house. Maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because I've watched these movies. But you and I are going to disagree here, because if I'm being chased by a killer and I see a creepy abandoned house, I ain't going anywhere near it. Mm-hmm. There is nothing good that comes of that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that either of our choices is better than hers. Definitely. Let's say this house is is just a normal person, all right? She just strolls right on in. Yeah, come on. Don't be a menace. Rolling fours, don't be a menace. This is a great way to get yourself shot in Texas. Come on, Michelle. All in all, a bad move. She sees a little girl upstairs, and the little girl's, like, crying, and she goes up to comfort her, like, hey, it's okay. I'm going to ding Michelle on constant vigilance here, because she walks right into a room with just bones strewn everywhere and doesn't even react. Yeah. So I don't think she saw them. I don't think she saw them either. She's too distracted by I, this little girl. Yeah, I get it. She's distracted by a... A scared little girl, but those bones are everywhere. They are next to the door. There is no reason she shouldn't have seen them. And if she should have seen them, what's going on that she's not even going to react to the piles of bones? Yeah, that's a time to nope the hell out of here. Agree. I, sorry, little kid. Bye. <laughs> yeah. And the little kid, we get a great moment where she pulls out like this creepy doll and goes, yakety yak, don't talk back. Yeah, so what happens is... Michelle goes up to the little kid who's crying, tries to comfort her, like, hey, I'm here, what's your name? She gives Michelle a doll that is made out of, it's like a miniature skeleton. The closest I could describe it is that it's a monkey skeleton. Yeah. But how did they get a monkey skeleton in Texas? I have no idea. But yeah, she she uses the doll to kind of distract Michelle before she gets stabbed yep. uh, with little Shiv or yeah, whatever. Yeah, and then... Uh, she takes the doll back and gets creepy with it. Yak, yak, don't talk back. It's great. And then Tex appears behind her and grabs her. Yep. And Michelle has been captured. Rule number two, constant vigilance. Agree. So Tex brings Michelle downstairs and nails her hands into a chair so she well, can't go anywhere. That's that foreshadowing I mentioned. Sarah had been nailed into the chair by the hands, and that that's where that came from. Yep. I, I love this part of the movie. It's probably the best writing it has. Yeah. We see Grandpa's corpse is here. Grandpa from the first two Yeah, how the attack. fuck is Grandpa still around? Don't know, but he's just a corpse now. He's dead. And then we also have Mama, the mother of these boys. That's what I seemed to kind of pick up from it. So it's our first a female member of the, the Sawyers that we've had. Yeah, she's, she's ro- rolling around in a wheelchair. There's something fucked up with her legs. I'm not quite sure what it is. Yeah, she's got one of those... Uh, boxes yeah that she talks to yeah them. she's got a like a, a box a voice box that you'd give to someone who had esophageal cancer yeah it's great she sounds really creepy with it yeah i like it tinker arrives and he drags ryan into the house and we think he's dead at first but he's actually still alive and they they string him up upside down in the kitchen and he's just kind of there for the rest of the movie <laughs> yeah he's literally hanging around we got the whole gang here except benny and alfredo alfredo is 
out disposing of bodies in the swamp, and Benny's watching all of this. So this confuses me on a thematic level because the Sawyers are known cannibals. So to me, I'm watching Alfredo just throw away perfectly good meat. Yeah. As fucked up as that sounds to say, I'm not endorsing cannibalism, but I am very certain that Mama or Tex or even Tinker would be like, what what the fuck are you doing? We can still eat that. Yeah. I don't know why he's doing that. It's a creepy scene, though. He's, He's muttering little chants to himself and just says motherfucker every third word. Yeah. Creepy scene. He's looking around and he figures, sees the trap that Benny sprung earlier, the the tripwire. Benny cautiously did it and set it off. And so Benny gets the jump on Alfredo and sticks the gun in his face. And we get my favorite line of the whole movie. Benny's just shoved his gun in Alfredo's face. And Alfredo's completely unfazed. He's like, do I know you? <laughs> so Benny starts trying to interrogate Alfredo. You know, oh, we're... Where are they? Who are you with? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, we get my favorite line of the movie, which is Alfredo saying, you know what, mister? I don't quite like your tone. <laughs> Alfredo's great and Benny is the best. Yeah, so these two interact. And this is probably my favorite scene of the movie. It's so funny. I'm going to agree. And Benny finally just gets sick of Alfredo's shit and hits him in the head with his gun and knocks him to the swamp and Alfredo sinks below the water. Apparently dead. He's not, though. Allegedly. Allegedly dead. So here's the thing. Yeah, rule number six is double tap. Now, I get why Benny didn't shoot him. He doesn't want to give away his position. That's smart. He actually mentions that when he's got the gun to Alfredo's face. He mentions something about, well, you don't want this to go off. Alert everyone. Big bang. So he knows. Benny knows. So what Benny really needed to do here is hit him with the rifle and then strangle him or drown him or whatever. Just take this guy off the board. even bash his head in with the butt of the gun. Sure. Take this guy off the board. And he doesn't, and almost gets killed for it later. Yeah. So this is Benny's worst move in the movie. So Tex and Tinker give Leatherface a golden chainsaw. This badass-looking thing. It says, the saw is family on the side. It's awesome. It is great. It's a shame we never once see it get sullied with blood. Yep. Now, in the original cut of the movie, Benny did die in the swamp there. And so in the original cut, yeah, Benny Benny gets killed there on the golden chainsaw. But um, they reshot the ending to let Benny live. So. Good move. Good yeah. move. I'll, I'll take it. So Leatherface is doing spelling lessons outside in his little tool shed. Yeah, and all he can spell is food. Yep. He sees they, they're like, here's a picture of a clown. And you're supposed to write it in clown. And he just keeps writing food over and over again. It's pretty funny. Uh, but Benny's watching this whole thing. He's just like, what the fuck? Yep. <laughs> the whole Sawyer family gathers in the kitchen. And in a really poorly edited shot, they kill Ryan with this weird mechanic that drops a hammer into his face yeah so i think it's tex is setting up the table for dinner and uh tinker calls him over like oh this one's still kicking and they drop the contraption to kill him and it's super poorly edited i think you were telling me the mpaa told them they had to edit had to remove that yeah and they just got lazy re-editing it basically it looks terrible but ryan's dead ultimately really just constant vigilance for ryan is what led to his death he just stepped in the bear trap and he it's, was done. It's not a rule, but I'm also going to throw in don't be a douchebag. <laughs> um, that's not a rule, and that won't that probably wouldn't help you. Yeah. But. You know, and if you'd been a nicer person and just not a douchebag, maybe Michelle wouldn't have left him behind. Exactly. You know, it's a bad sign when he's one of the two protagonists in the movie and I'm actively rooting for his death. Yep. As soon as Leather caught up to him in that bear trap, I yelled, just get fucked, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ryan sucks. Not going to miss him. Not too much wrong for him, ultimately. He's just unlikable. Yeah, he's just unlikable. It's a little unclear what they want to do. They're going to eat Ryan. Yeah, they're 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 setting up the dinner scene. Because, again, can't do a Texas Chainsaw movie without just ripping off the first one. Yep. 
They're talking about maybe letting Leatherface rape Michelle to have another kid because it's implied the little girl is Leatherface's kid. Yeah. I'm glad we don't get any further into that. I don't need that in these movies. Same. And we just get away from this because Benny shows up and opens fire into the house. What a great move. It's awesome. You know, this is the move. This is the move. You you try and take out as many of these fuckers as you can. If Michelle gets killed along the way. Funny well, enough, he does not succeed. Yeah, he only kills Mama and uh, takes Tinker off the board. Because Tinker gets injured. We never see him again. Maybe his, he died. His ear straight up gets shot off. Yep. And I think he loses a finger too. So he kills Mama and injures Tinker enough to the point where he's out of the movie. Maybe he's dead. He could have bled out. It's possible. So really, ultimately, for those two, just uh, rule number four, don't be a menace. Yeah, come on. Good on Michelle. She rips her fucking hands out of the chair. Yep, she, uh, I couldn't tell if she'd been working. So she was tied by the the ankles to the bottom of the chair and nailed into the arms of it. And I couldn't tell if the chainsaw being close frayed the rope where she could get out or if she'd just been working at it this whole time. But she gets her legs out and then rips the fucking hands that were nailed down out and gets out. Uh, Tex tries to grab her, but... She stabs him. She, she grabs does. a knife, stabs him, and runs out. She locks and loads, and Rule 11 gets the fuck out of here. Exactly. It's great. This is really good for Michelle. And she and Benny meet up. And the little girl, she turns on all these giant floodlights in the yard to illuminate everything. This is the most Rob Zombie scene in the entire movie. Yeah, we get a great sound score for it. It's kind of fun. I like it. Benny has Michelle run off, and we get a moment where she's kind of going nuts, too. She's like, let's fucking do this. But Leatherface tries to run over Benny, and Benny gets clever, and he just kind of lays down in the road, and it goes right over him. Yep. He's under the truck, so Leather completely ignores him while he goes to chase Michelle. Yeah, he chases Michelle off into the, into the woods. Well, Benny gets attacked by Tex, who's got a fire axe. Or just an axe, I guess. Yeah, and it's kind of a cool fight scene. Yeah, it's good. Benny just immediately takes it from him. He's like, no, it's mine now. Yep. And so during the fight, the gas reservoir on the truck gets... Punctured. With, gets punctured with the axe, and gasoline just starts soaking both of them and covering the entire battlefield here. And my, Benny intentionally sticks Tex underneath it. Yep, Benny recognizes it immediately and does my favorite move of the movie where he gets Tex covered in gasoline, takes a step back, grabs the lighter, and fucking lights the beacon of Gondor, yeah. blowing up Vigo Mortensen. It's great. Constant vigilance when you're on the battlefield. you got to pay attention to your surroundings. Uh, it's like um, in Batman Begins when Liam Neeson is teaching Bruce Wayne about fighting and they're fighting on the ice. And, you know, how the environment is so important in your fight. And uh, Bruce falls through the ice. Yep. It's one of my favorite movie scenes. It's why I think when you play with Super Smash Brothers, it's better to fight on gimmicky stages that move than just plain old boring battlefields. Because the true warrior takes his environment into the account. <laughs> uh, that so, was a tangent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm very passionate about this. So I love this for Benny. He, he uses his environment to his advantage. And as far as text goes, there's... Constant vigilance. Don't be a menace. Don't be a me Really, don't be a menace. Yeah. And I think that might be it because we know he's acting, so the Good Samaritan portion doesn't really apply. Yep. Just don't be a menace. Don't be a menace. So Michelle gets caught in this rope trap that pulls her into the swamp, and she ends up cutting herself free. But Leatherface attacks her. Benny saves the day, jumps in, and the two of them are fighting in the swamp. And pretty brutal fight. And it looks like Benny gets killed on Leatherface's chainsaw. Yeah, it looks like it. It didn't happen. Spoilers. Yeah, and in the original cut, he died here. And so that's why they don't really have a good reason for how Benny gets out of this. 
Yeah. So the only thing that makes any sense to me is rule number 23, know when to play possum. I think Benny must fake his death here. Maybe he like pushes himself underwater and like pretends he's dead. I can see it. That's the only thing that makes any sense to me and how Benny gets out of this. I can see it. So uh, that's what I'm going with. And my, my head cannon is that Benny faked his death here. Leatherface goes after Michelle and Michelle grabs a rock and just beats Leatherface down with it. So this is the payoff to the armadillo scene that Ryan was defending. My problem is, as you mentioned, there's no arc here. Mm -hmm. So it's not really like character development because nothing developed. She played victim the entire time until she was in a life or death situation when she was able to kill. I mean, I've never been in a life or death situation. I imagine I would react the same. I probably still wouldn't be able to kill an injured animal. Regardless, she does what she needs to do here. Um, hits him multiple times. Ultimately doesn't kill him, but he disappears under the water. Yep. And so she needed to double tap, but she's still going to get out of the movie regardless. Like, yeah. Leatherface is not going to come back and attack her again. So we cut Close, to the, though. Exactly. So we cut to the next morning. Yeah, Michelle's out of the woods. Yep, she's walking along the side of the road. And a truck pulls up. It's uh, Alfredo's truck that he was driving earlier. And it's, it says, last chance gas station on the door. Michelle immediately recognizes it and starts freaking the fuck out. But it's just Benny. Yeah, Benny Benny survived. He's got like a, a weird cut down the side of his head. Yep. Uh, which is, I guess, what happened to him in the swamp. Yeah, I guess. I don't really know. But Alfredo shows up and he attacks him with a sledgehammer and knocks Benny down. Uh, Michelle gets into the truck. Alfredo's attacking her. She's trying to grab a gun. Ultimately, she manages to shoot and kill Alfredo. So she doesn't hesitate and she just blows him away. Exactly. And kills him. And that's great. She tosses the body out of the back of the truck and she and Benny drive off and Leatherface watches them go. And that is the end of Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Thank fucking God. Hallelujah. Okay, so I don't... Do you have any new rules to add for Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw 3? Not really. I don't think it's worth adding as a rule to not be a douche. Yeah. But that's the closest I can think of. It's definitely something to think about in the future, because I could definitely imagine a character who's just so unlikable that everybody else leaves him behind. Yeah. I'm sure something along those lines will get added at some point. The other one, I thought, uh, I don't think we have enough for it here, but you use your environment. Yeah. Like uh, Benny does now. We'll get more examples of that in the future. Put a pin in these. These, nope. these could definitely evolve into full-blown rules. Yeah. It's something to consider. I, I think we need better examples of both before we can add them officially onto the list. I'll agree with that. Um, but uh, it's something to consider in the future and definitely good rules of thumb at this point. So no new rules. So let's get into the awards. And first we have the Randy Meeks Merit Badge, which is based off Randy from Scream. And this goes to the character who did the best job at following the rules. Because Randy created his own list of rules in, in Scream, kind of the inspiration of this podcast, so we named the award after him. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. I think it's obvious. You know, you named it the Randy Meeks Merit Badge for a good reason. Mm -hmm. But given that the winner is a survivalist... I want to rename this specific one the Benny Merit Badge. <laughs> no, Benny is the only choice. Yeah. Michelle has some good moves towards the end, but she stays useless for most of the movie. Yeah. Ryan just doesn't do a fucking thing that's yeah. positive. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Sarah has a couple good moves, but none of these guys even come close to Benny. Yeah, it, it's Benny far and away. Benny's not perfect, you know? No. Um, he doesn't kill Alfredo when he has the chance. Yeah, he didn't double tap. Yeah, he didn't double tap Alfredo. That's about all I got from him, though. I mean, there's a couple, like, minor, minor, minor things. Yeah. Uh, but Benny's really great. He's so well-prepared for everything. He's got this gun. He's a fighter. He just opens fire into the house, which is awesome. Uh, takes down Tex in a really clever way. 
it's great. I love Benny. Yeah, Benny. Benny's awesome. Benny's the best. Yeah. So I think easy, easy. Benny is the winner of the Randy Meeks Merit Badge. Fun fact: He's the first person from the Texas Chainsaw series to win this award and survive the movie. Really? Yeah. Huh. Because uh, Franklin and uh, Lefty, Dennis Hopper, won for the first two movies. I suppose. There you go. And they both die. So let's go on to the Night of the Living Club Award, which is based off Barbara from Night of the Living Dead, who is just the worst character or most useless character of all time. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. So, I'm conflicted. I don't know who to give this to. Because... Michelle isn't very strong at first, but she comes around and has some good moves by the end. Ryan, I mean, he's not a complete train wreck. He's mostly just kind of baseline average. He's drugged for part of the movie. Ultimately, he just dies because he stepped in a bear trap. Not a huge rule violation. And Sarah managed to survive for a week. Yeah, Sarah is not a pleb by any means. No. She, makes a, she slips up, and that ultimately leads to her death. But her mental state is just completely gone by this point. So definitely not Sarah. Like, yeah, she dies because of her own fuck-up, but you don't survive for a week in the wilderness by being a pleb. So I, I, I kind of want to look at the Sawyer family here. And what they kind of get wrong that leads to most of their deaths is they lose Benny. They lose track of Benny. And they don't seem to be very well organized. Leatherface loses track of him, Benny gets away, and then Benny shows up and shoots up their house. So I almost want to give it to one of the Sawyers for screwing this up. Here's a dark horse. Give it to all the Sawyers. Okay. They all make a lot of mistakes. Now, we didn't really talk about it, and I really didn't think about it until right now because we typically don't look at the antagonists for these yeah. movies. But now that you've got me thinking about it, the only Sawyer that doesn't make some grave error that leads to their death is the little girl. And Mama, because she can't really do much. Yeah, so fair let, enough. Let's take those two off the board. Okay, so let's just go through the, 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 four, the four Sawyer boys here. You know, Tex, Tinker, Alfredo, and Leatherface uh, were all, you know, part of this. They're all menacing. They're all menaces. They don't really stick together. I feel like they'd be much more effective if they stick together and just hunted these people down. Yes, but that's a pretty common Sawyer trope is that they attack as individuals before you find out they're all part of the family. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to hold it against them to split up. This is very clearly their, their shtick. You know, Leatherface does manage to capture Sarah and Ryan, but, you know, fails to get Benny. A tinker and Tex there at that, that kitchen just kind of not helping. Alfredo, he's just, just getting rid of bodies. Alfredo's just wandering around for half the movie. Yeah, I mean, he could be helping, too. I mean, I love him, but he's just doing nothing. And then when he does finally show up at the end, he gets he gets whacked in the head by Benny, almost drowns. He doesn't manage to finish off Sarah or Benny with a sledgehammer. So all of these people, they, they screw up along the way. And, but is there a worst of the four? There's not, which is why I'm sticking with my original proposal. Give it to the entire Sawyer family. Uh, or the so four Sawyer boys. The, four, the Sawyer boys. There I, I we go. I want to take mom and little girl off the table. For Fair sure. enough. I'm just trying to think if there's anything I'm missing here for any of those. That, like anything major from them. Not that I can think of. I guess Tinker just kind of gives up and fades out of existence yeah, as soon as he loses an ear which i mean don't get me wrong if i get shot i'm not getting up either but and tex just gets lit on fire tex doesn't he, he had the opportunity to kill benny with the axe but yeah time. he absolutely had the opportunity alfredo had the opportunity too with the sledgehammer he, did, he didn't take his opportunity and he also didn't pay attention to his surroundings which led to his death and leatherface didn't finish off benny when he had the chance to he, oh yeah leatherface goes after sarah when he clearly had the opportunity to kill benny and Sarah's like, no, come get me instead. So they all make pretty equal errors. Yeah. 
All right, let's give it to all four. The four Sawyer boys. The four Sawyer boys. They 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 are our night of living plebs. Leatherface survives. Yep. So he is actually a living pleb, but the other three do not, or at least Tex and Alfredo do not live. Tinker, who knows? Tinker, I'm going to assume bled out because there's probably not much in the way of first aid yeah. in the Sawyer house. So ultimately, I'm going to give it to the four four Sawyer boys. They are our night of living plebs, and most of them aren't still living anymore. Yeah, interesting take. It's just none of the the our good characters. When we didn't when we got done watching it, I thought I'd give it to Ryan, but as we kind of went through this. He didn't really do anything. And he was right on the money with his God about text. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I want to give him some credit for that. So even though he sucks. Give him I'm... some credit, but I'm also thinking part of it was jealousy because he saw the way Michelle was looking sure. at him. So some credit, but not a lot. Not a lot, but it's enough to put him above the Sawyers in terms of rule following. Definitely. So we normally don't give him to Killer or the bad guys on this, and this is only the third time we've ever done this. But yeah, uh, Alfredo, Tex, Tinker, and Leatherface all get... The Night of the Living Club Award. Crazy. Didn't expect that. Really didn't. I, I had no idea where we were going with that. <laughs> we got there somehow. Okay, uh, Jordan, you want to come back on the podcast? Ah, uh, why not? Great. Love having you here. So, you get to reserve a movie. I think I'm going to go with Carrie. Carrie, okay. You've never seen Carrie. I've never seen Carrie. Carrie is my personal favorite Stephen King adaptation. I do like it more than the new It. Okay. 1976 Carrie. Let's let's be very clear right here. Not the Clograce Moretz one. that I actually haven't seen that one. But the OG. The OG Carrie Sissy Spacek. Okay. So now we are going to spin the Wheel of Spooks to decide what the next movie is going to be. And so we have A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice. Uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, which is the fourth one. Halloween Resurrection, which is the eighth. Child's Play 2, Leprechaun 2, Saw 2, and Friday the 13th Part 3. Jordan, go ahead and spin the wheel. Okay, wow, it's been a long time since we've done this, but we got Saw 2 on the board. Saw 2, alright, we're going to go back and see some Jigsaw. This is actually my favorite Saw movie. This is my, my favorite too, so I'm actually really excited for this. I'm pumped, I love Saw 2. Great, yeah, thank you for doing a good job on this bit. Hey, you know, you, you had a lot worse choices on there. You had, you had uh, I think, one better choice. But you had a lot worse choices. Yeah, uh, this is good. Uh, it's been a while. I mean, now I guess last week we watched a good movie. But uh, it'll be nice to get into it, like a really legitimately good movie. Uh, I'm pumped. Okay, Jordan, you got any social media you want to plug? Um, I still tweet at RaiRaiMovieGuy. I've kind of slowed down tweeting just because I haven't really had much to say lately. But who knows? By the time this comes out, maybe I'll be tweeting again. Cool. Uh, you can follow us at How to Horror, How the Number Two Horror, and then on Instagram at How to Survive a Horror Movie. One day I'll post more on there, probably. <laughs> um, in the meantime, I think that's about it. Uh, Jordan, thanks for being on this. Thanks for having me. All right, this has been the How to Survive a Horror Movie podcast. Stay safe out there. Uh, uh.